0: Y'all look beautiful tonight. You're smiling. It's a Thursday night. It's a good night. Good to see all of y'all. Everybody doing well? So cool. I don't see some of you out in the lobby or whatever, and then I get up here and just start spotting people. Love seeing you guys. Been a good week for everybody? <laughs> Certainly it hasn't been for everyone, but that's okay. It's a good night. It's a good night. Thanks for coming out tonight. My name is Austin. If I haven't met you, I get the uh, privilege of leading this amazing group. And so uh, if I haven't met you, I'd love to meet you after service. Please come say hello. If it's your first time with us, welcome. So glad you chose to be with us and uh, hope that you find this to be a place that you can call home. Well, we are uh, beginning a new series tonight. There it is. There it is. A new series tonight we're calling Relational Vampires. Loving the people who suck the life out of you. So uh, it's going to be a fun few weeks that we share together. Obviously, some of this uh, is centered around, it's October. And what do you do, during October? I don't know. You do stuff. But vampires just show up in October. And so that's kind of the theme of it a little bit. And so we're going to be talking the next three weeks about relational vampires. What do vampires do? They suck the blood out of you. What do relational vampires do? They suck the life out of you. And so we're going to get in it for a few weeks and talk about some of the categories, I guess you could say, of people that do that. And uh, you may know some people, or honestly, if we are honest with ourselves, you may be that person. And so we're praying that the next few weeks will be helpful for all of us. I believe that they will be. Next week, we're going to talk about... Uh, relational vampire. The relational vampire, um, like needy people. You know, needy people that just suck the life out of you. always needing something, you know. And then uh, the last week, we're going to talk about hypocritical people. And how do we deal with hypocritical people? What's our place as the church? Or what's our place just you as a believer? How do you uh, manage that tension? Or is it okay for you to approach someone? Is it okay for you to call somebody out? What does that look like? Because uh, hypocritical people, honestly, um, have a tendency to just get you down because then you start questioning faith and all these kinds of things, and so we're going to talk about that. But tonight, I'm excited to get into uh, what I believe God's given us for this evening. Question for you. Uh, do you know, does anybody know a, a, um, a controlling, like a control freak? Do you know a control freak? Anybody know a control freak? Um, if, if you were about to raise your hand and the person next to you kept your hand down, that person is the person that we're going to be talking tonight, the, the control freak. I really believe control freaks are a part or they're a, a category, kind of a sect of relational vampires, controlling people. This, this title, Relational Vampires, it's, it's funny, it's kind of cute, you know, loving people who suck the life out of you, it's kind of funny. But reality is if you know someone uh, who has been controlling or, or has leveraged their authority to manipulate you or to control you in some type of way, you know that it's not funny, it's not cute, actually, and it really can suck the life out of you. If you've come across somebody or maybe a relationship has somehow turned into that, then you know how damaging it can be. And as I have conversations with many of you and just talk to a lot of people around the country about what are some of the issues that young adults are facing, it seems to me like this is just a recurring theme that that we, we keep finding ourselves in relationship, whether it's friendship, whether it's a dating relationship, maybe it's a uh, like a boss relationship or a coworker or whatever kind of, maybe to a parent. Keep finding yourself in a relationship where the other person is leveraging control over you. And that's difficult. That's really hard. And how do you get out of that? And, and what do you do with that? And so I want to talk just for a few minutes tonight about, uh, about controlling people. And what do you do if you find yourself in a relationship where you are feeling controlled by someone? Maybe someone in your life has had an authority role and they've leveraged their authority to control you, and it's been hurtful to you. And maybe you're still dealing with wounds from past relationships where people have tried to control you. Most often, most often we uh, we find ourselves in these kind of situations with people who are leveraging control or they're fighting for control, and they want to control you. And it's not, it's not that the person's malicious, it's not that the person is like out to get you. Most of the time they're good people, they're just needy people or they're uh, struggling with their own insecurity. Like they, they're not confident in themselves. Or, or sometimes I've found that it's that they feel so out of control about their life and they don't have control on anything happening in their life. And so when they find someone that they can control, it kind of replaces that. And so they seek that out. They look for that. They're control freaks. They want that. Sometimes they're just people who think they know it all, and they want you to do things the way they want you to do them, right? Sometimes they just, I find myself in that, like, God loves you, and I have a plan for your life. It was funny in my head. (laughs) Like, I want to say, hey, I want you to know that God loves you, and I have a plan for your life. That's not it. God loves you, and he has a plan. But I find myself even sometimes wanting, I want to have control. I can be the control freak sometimes. But if you've been in any of these kinds of relationships, you know that they can be like an emotional black hole that you find yourself in. And no matter what you do, it's not enough. No matter what you give to them, they're asked for more. If you give one inch, they crave even more. If they don't get what they want, sometimes they pout, they whine. They stomp. It sounds like a two-year-old, right? It sounds like my two-year-old. They, they complain. They, uh, sometimes they'll give you the silent treatment. Sometimes they'll even walk away from the relationship, right? And all the while, you feel like you're walking on eggshells just wondering if you're living up to this person's standards. Am I explaining this correctly? Does anybody know what I'm saying? Is it just me that I've had relationships with? These? Okay, so this is how it can be so damaging to you. If you find yourself in this, so how do you manage these relationships, much less how do you love these people? Like it's enough just to try and manage it, but how do you even go the extra distance and how do you love them the way that God's called you to to love them? So let's start. I want to build a foundation, first of all, and I want to talk about uh, even more than we already have. Like how do you know? that this person is trying to control you in some way, shape, or form. So the first one I would say is this. Control freaks always do this. They always try, one of the things, one of their weapons is they will threaten you. If you've ever been around someone who's tried to control you, they use threats as a weapon to control you how do threats manifest themselves well in some form or fashion they may say it or they may imply it you may have heard something like this you better blank or you will regret it right you better such and such or you're going to regret it or you better perform or you will be punished just threats they throw threat in other words if you don't do what i want you to do in some form or fashion You're going to pay for this. That's someone who's using a threat to try and control you. And it's sad, but to be honest, and maybe you know somebody that's walked through this, but it's sad. I've seen it before where a guy will use a threat to control his girlfriend. And they'll threaten them with things like, if you don't perform sexual favors or activities with me, then I'm going to break up with you. And they will leverage that. And because the girl, you know, is insecure or the girl just can't imagine life without that person, then they fall into it and just go, okay, and they just oblige to it. It's sad, but guys will do that. And by the way, I think girls can do that too. I'm just saying, guys, do that. And we threaten with, if you don't or if you do, then I will this. That's someone who's fighting to control you. Maybe your boss that terrifies you, right, with if you don't perform up to this standard, then you're going to get fired and so you're living under this like leadership that's just trying to instill fear into you just so you know that's not right and that's not good leadership and you should not become that kind of leader. Maybe you've had a friend who is constantly threatened to kill themselves if you don't step into their life even more or if if you're not their friend even more, or if you don't respond to them the way they want you to respond, then they're going to kill themselves. I don't know if you've ever been in this situation, but if you've ever been around someone who's used threats to try and control you, it can be completely debilitating and damaging to you. So they use threats. What's another thing they do? They use guilt. Controlling people use guilt. They may say it, or or at least they'll imply it. They'll say things like this. After all I've done for you, you can't do this for me? As someone trying to control you. After all I've done, I mean, I thought we were friends. I thought you were a Christian. Is this really how Christians are supposed to act? I thought you loved Jesus. And they try and guilt you. What kind of Christian are you? Maybe you've had a relative <laughs> say something to you. They've Like this, I've gotten this before. You never call me. You don't care about me anymore. I guess you just have more important things to do in your life. You don't love me. I could I could be, you know, dead in my house for two weeks, just rotting away, and no one would care. You wouldn't even care, right? That's guilt. That's someone trying to use guilt to control you. I was talking to a uh, pastor friend of mine, and we were just talking about how we got into ministry, and all these kinds of things. He was telling me back when he was in college a long time ago and trying to figure out his next step for ministry. He was in a relationship with a girl, and he got to the point where he decided that you know, this wasn't the right relationship, and so he breaks up with her, and like many relationships, they had struggled, they were fighting for purity, but they weren't perfect in it, and so uh, one of the things that she did is she uh, fought to leverage guilt over him and said things like, you'll never be a good pastor after the things that we've done, and you just wait until people find out who you really are, they'll never trust you. And he was telling me about how the process he had to go through and finding healing in that because of the hurtful things that she said to him and how she tried to leverage guilt to get him back into her life. Sounds awful, doesn't it? Reality is this is more frequent in people's lives than we would like to admit. Threats and guilt. Threats and guilt is what controlling people use to try and control you. So how do we as followers of Christ, love those who intentionally or unintentionally try to control or manipulate us. I want to read some scripture tonight, and if you're taking notes, you can write down Matthew chapter 16, and I just want to read to you a few uh, verses, a story of Jesus and his disciples and one of the encounters that they had, and I've never seen how control and manipulation was in this story until recently I was reading through it. And I uh, want you to see it as well. Give you a little bit of context about what we're going to read in Matthew chapter 16, verse 21, is Jesus is explaining to his followers, to His disciples what He is about to walk into. He's explaining, He's saying, "Hey, Uh, the calling on my life, I have come and I have got to lay down my life. I'm going to give my life up. I'm going to be murdered on a cross. He's telling them these things and he says, but don't worry, I'm going to be raised from the dead, but this is God's plan for me. This is why I was sent to earth. This is the calling on my life. And then this guy named Peter, one of his disciples, steps in and he essentially says this. He says, no, 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 you do not have to do this, Jesus. You don't have to do this. And he begins to try and convince Jesus that this is not the right thing for him. And he tries to control Jesus and pull him away from what Jesus had planned to do. So I want to pick up in Matthew chapter 16, verse 21. If you're ready to read it, say amen. Amen. Need a little excitement in here. Okay, verse 21, it says this. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. It says in verse 22 that Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. I want to stop right there because I find this unique, that Peter takes him aside. I want you to know tonight that you may notice that controllers And manipulators often will try to isolate you. They will often try to get you away from crowds and get you in just you and them conversation. They want to take you away from others because they know that the more brains that are involved in a situation, the more wisdom that comes out, the more discernment comes out, that they may not have an upper hand on you because enough people are going, hey, this isn't right. And so what controlling people like to do is they like to isolate you. And you'll probably find yourself going... Or saying something like, hey, can we like, get a pastor involved in this? Or can we bring somebody else into this conversation? This And they will fight you. They'll say, no, 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 it's just me and you. Just me and you. I just want to talk to you. Because they know if they can isolate you, then they can control you. They'll often try and isolate you. So let's continue reading. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen again. To you, In other words, this is not what I want. This is not what you have to go through. This is, I'm not, we're not, we're not gonna allow this to happen to you, Jesus. And what did Jesus do whenever Peter tried to manipulate him away from God's will? This is what Jesus did. Let's read. Then Jesus said, oh no, no, no. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. Ooh, okay. Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, and you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. And then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. From this story, what I want to do is I want to show you three very important things that you need to know about loving people who are trying to control you, about loving, controlling people from this story. First thing you need to know is this. I would encourage you to know your calling. Know your calling. You need to know what you're called to do. Jesus was so clear on his calling, on his purpose, the reason he was sent to earth, so clear on it and he says if you read scripture says all throughout scripture he's constantly going back to the reason that I was sent to earth he says things like this Jesus said I came to seek and save the lost this is why I came I came to seek and to save the lost he told us who he came for and he told us who he did not come for he said I did not come for the healthy I came for the sick Tells us why he knew his purpose. He knew his calling. I came for the sick, not the healthy. He says, "I didn't come for those who are righteous. I came for sinners." He knew his calling. He said, "I didn't come so that other people would serve me, but I came to serve others. I came to lay down my life." Jesus knew his calling. He knew why God sent him to Earth. He was incredibly clear, and that's what he was describing to Peter. He's saying, I've got to give my life. This is why I was sent. I'm going to give my life. I'm going to suffer, but it's God's calling. It's his purpose for me, and he'll raise me back again. For you to love those who are trying to control you, I would encourage you, you need to know your calling. You probably say, oh, no, not the calling word again, Austin. (laughs) We talk about calling a lot. Not the calling word. I've told you a thousand times, I have no idea what I'm called to do on this earth. I have no idea what I'm called to do with my life. Chill just for a second. I think sometimes we make calling such a grandiose idea, this like big, giant thing. I'm called to cure cancer or I'm called to be a missionary in Uganda. I want to just simplify it a little bit. What's the calling for your life right now? In this season of your life, what has God called you to? What's he called you to? He's called you to serve in some way. What's he called you to? If you were to ask me, I'd like to give you a little bit of an answer. Obviously, it's your calling. You decide. But I would propose to you that part of your calling specifically in this stage of life that you're in, assuming that the majority of us are 18 to 25. I'm not. I won't tell you how old I am. Uh, Majority of you are 18 to 25. I believe that part of your calling right now is to build a foundation on which you can build upon. That's what you're doing right now. You are building a foundation on which you can build the rest of your life upon. The decisions that you make today in this stage of your life is going to impact the rest of your life. Decisions about your character. Decisions about your integrity. The decisions about how you love people. The decisions about who you date. The decisions about how you view sin. The decisions about your love for God. These decisions are going to be the foundation by which you build the rest of your life upon. So what's your calling? I believe part of your calling is to build a solid character. I want to build solid character. Maybe your calling is to go to school and get a degree. Maybe it's to work toward detaching from your parents. Somebody say amen. Maybe it's to be a witness at your job. You don't have to love your job in this. It may not be a, a, a permanent job that you'd want to be in until you're 60 years old, but your calling is to be a witness wherever God sends you. That's part of your calling. For example, for me, I believe that my calling is very clear. My calling is to lay down my life to serve my wife. My calling is to lead my son to become a fully devoted follower of Christ. And my calling is to lead us as a community. Very simple. Love my wife, lead my son, and to lead our community. I believe that's the calling on my life for this stage right now. Some of those are permanent callings. (laughs) That's the calling on my life. The problem is this I have people pleasing tendencies. You have people pleasing tendencies. Can you just acknowledge that you have a people-pleasing tendency in you? We all do to some degree, right? The problem is you have people-pleasing tendencies. But people-pleasing, you gotta hear me, people-pleasing is a form of idolatry. Do you know that? People-pleasing is a form of idolatry. Why? Because here's what you're doing. When when, when you care so much about the opinions of others or the affection that you get from others or how someone will approve of you, people-pleasing, when you care more about that, then you do God's will for your life God's plan for your life what God's calling you to then people pleasing will oftentimes it will trump what God's calling you to so i know my calling The problem is I get swayed from here and there because people come into my life and they try and pull me in other directions and I have people-pleasing tendencies and so I want to lean into what they're leading me to. The problem is eventually, possibly, probably, I'm going to lean away from where God is calling me and into something else that someone else wants me to do, but it's not what God wants me to do. And I end up being controlled. And the reason I'm so passionate about this topic is because I've watched this happen over over time, is that Christians are usually the ones who get abused by controlling people the most. Because as Christians, we talk a lot about our job is to love people. Our job is just to love, 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 love. And that's true. But what happens is we don't know that love has boundaries. We don't know that sometimes loving someone Is giving someone the wall and saying, no, you can't talk that way to me. No, you can't do that to me. I can't just love everybody like that. I have boundaries, right? The problem is Christians, we just go about thinking, well, I just got to love everybody. Just love everybody. And we teach it in the church. Just love everybody. Just love everybody. And then we set no boundaries to our love, and we all just become controlled by people. And so calling on your life will clarify so many things for you. Calling clarifies what is a priority to me. Calling clarifies what goes on my calendar. Calling clarifies my boundaries. It clarifies my boundaries. Listen to me. There is a myth amongst young people that says this. Deep relationships exist when there are no boundaries. I want you to know tonight, if you hear nothing else, that is completely false. You may not say it but many people practice it. Here's the truth. Deep and healthy relational bonds only exist and grow in the context of clear and defined boundaries. It's not a relationship with no boundaries. It's a relationship with boundaries that then can flourish. Imagine imagine in your neighborhood. Imagine a a neighborhood, a, a subdivision. Imagine no property lines in the subdivision. Imagine that we all just kind of have free reign to go from one yard to another. This is not this person's yard. It's just, it's, it's all. We just share. Imagine your neighborhood with no property lines, no fences. Can you imagine what kind of chaos that would be? That is what it is like to have relationships that have no boundaries. It's chaotic. It's crazy. And people end up getting manipulated and controlled. So let me just tell you, I think it would be helpful. Can I just tell you some of my boundaries? These may not apply to you. Some of these are personal boundaries for me. Some of them are like uh, work boundaries for me. But i just give you an example, and I would encourage you. You need to determine what your boundaries are. What are your friendship boundaries? What are your relationship boundaries? I'm about to maybe ruin my reputation with you guys, but I'm going to go for it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) First boundary that I have is this. I will not easily sacrifice time with my family for ministry. I know there are some extremes. Sometimes I have to, but I will not easily sacrifice time with my family for so-called ministry things. I'm sorry I won't do it. And that's tough. I don't know if you guys know this. I work Sunday through Thursday is my work week. So I get Fridays and Saturdays off. Those are my days with my family unfortunately, Fridays is the time where all of y'all are free. Saturdays, all of y'all are free, so I get texts, hey, come play basketball, come do this, and I would love to. Unfortunately, Fridays is my day with my son, so I spend time with my son. Saturdays is our day as a family, so I spend time with them. And I have made a boundary in my life that I will not easily sacrifice time with my family for ministry things. I'll never forget one time, it was a few years ago, I was serving at a church in Tennessee, and uh, I had a lady come up to me, and she was telling me about this event that she's doing on, a, on this Friday, and it was going to be this big thing where she's going into public schools and trying to reach students, and all this kind of stuff. And uh, she was asking me to come speak at it. And I said, ma'am, that sounds incredible. Unfortunately, I can't do it. I had something going on with family, and I just decided I wasn't going to sacrifice. I'll never forget what she said to me. She said, do you not care about these kids? <laughs> I said, that's funny. I said, no, I do. I just care more about my family. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry that that doesn't tickle your fancy. <laughs> I don't think I said that. I just felt like saying it now. I'm sorry that that doesn't please you. But that's a boundary that I have. Another one that I have is this. I will not meet with someone because they want me to. Let me explain it a little bit more. I'm, I'm trying not to tell you all my secrets while still telling you examples <laughs> I've had people email me all the time or call me or whatever hey parents this doesn't happen as much now but it has happened a parent hey I'd like for you to meet with my son Bobby Bobby I say, all right cool does Bobby want to meet with me no but I want you to meet with him I said listen you tell little Bobby to call me and we can meet up I'd love to talk to him but I'm not going to meet with someone because you want me to, I want, he needs to want to meet with me. And I'm, I'm glad to meet with him. But I'm, I'm not just going to like hand over my calendar to everyone and just say I'm free for you, whatever you want. No, I have boundaries. I have priorities. Another one, I got a, uh, one time I got a call here at the church. Uh, we we kind of set days aside where basically my phone is, is open from midnight to midnight on a day. And I'm required to answer uh, whenever someone calls, because it could be someone from outside, you know, they're calling for whatever they want, and so it was my day, and I remember I was um, doing this, and some guy, he called me up, and he was asking for money from the church, and we have specific processes that we go through for that, and so I was walking him through that, and apparently it was not what he wanted to hear, and so he began to get super agitated with me to the point where he was, like, getting really angry, And he started dropping F-bombs on me. And I'm like, yo, dude, come on, man. And he starts getting super upset. And and I can't believe a church wouldn't help me. I'm like, sir, we'd love to help, but we have a process we go through for how we do that. And I'd love to help you out. But "Ah, ah, ah," he's just going after me. So eventually I said, said, sir, I'm not going to continue on this conversation. If you would like to, you can come into the church. I'd be glad to have a a face-to-face conversation with you and we can work something out. And he said, if you hang up this phone on me, I'm going to kill myself. I said, sir, I'll be here till 5 o'clock. Hope you have a good day. Click. Some of you think I'm terrible. No, I just have boundaries. And I refuse to let someone control me and manipulate me like that. Not going to happen. I never saw that guy again. I don't know what happened but I am not going to bend to people's schedule just because they want me to. It's not going to happen. All of you hate me now, but it's okay. Number three, I will not allow someone else to determine what God wants for me without God confirming it with me. Does that make sense? Let me say it again. I will not allow someone else to determine what God wants for me without God confirming that with me. I'll give you an example. One time we were here worshiping, and in the middle of a song, someone came up to me and said, "Uh, I think God gave me a word, and he wants me to go on stage and say it to everybody. I said, well, give me a song. Give me the next song. Let me just pray about it, and let me see if God confirms it. A song, and I just didn't feel like it. So I told the guy, I'm sorry. God just didn't confirm that with me. So, no, you can't. And he got mad and all this kind of stuff. It's okay. Sorry, I just have boundaries. And it's not going to, listen, I can't please everybody. I can't save everyone. I can't serve everyone. I can't do it. And you can't do it. You ever felt like that was your job? Like it was your job to try and make everybody happy? Can I just like release some tension for you tonight? It's not. You're not going to. Forget about it. It's okay. Set boundaries, though. And calling clarifies Your boundaries, you have to set them because people will have a clear view of what you should do with your life and with your time. You ever notice that? Everyone else has a great idea of what you should do with your life and your time. You need to know what you're called to do, and here's why this matters. What does every controlling person have in common? What does every controlling person have in common? Every controlling person has someone who allows it. Every controlling or manipulative person has someone who allows it. So the controlling person is wrong. It's not good. But if you allow it, you got a part in it. And every controlling person has someone who allows it. So in this season, what is God calling you to? Because your calling will clarify some of these things. And when you clarify your calling, it will keep you from being distracted into someone else's desires for your life. I got a lot to say. Let me speed up. Is this making sense? Okay. Number two, write this down. Second thing you need to know, know when someone is trying to control you. You have to know when someone is trying to control you. Let me go back to the Bible story. You remember Jesus says, hey, this is God's plan for me. This is his will. This is what I have to do, so I'm going to go do it. Peter replies, he says, no, 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 Jesus, you don't have to. You don't have to do this. There's another way. We can figure this out. We can do it. And Jesus responds by saying, get behind me, Satan. Have you ever said that? Let's say it together. You want to have some fun? Let's say it together. On the count of three, everyone just yell out, get behind me, Satan. Are you ready? One, two, three. Get behind me, Satan. Okay, now say it with a little umph, like you're saying it to somebody who's trying to control you. Ready? One, two, three. Get behind me, Satan. That felt good, didn't it? Y'all didn't know you were coming to therapy tonight. It's good. I mean, Peter, this is crazy. Like it, Peter was a good guy. Peter loved Jesus actually. He uh in like a couple verses before, he had just won Jesus Jeopardy. You know what Jesus Jeopardy is? <laughs> Jesus was asking this question. He said, Hey, who are people saying that I am? People responded, or this, you're that, you're that. And Peter says, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Ding, 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 you win. Jesus is super proud of Peter. Way to go, Peter. You won Jeopardy. Congratulations. And then Moments later, this conversation happens, and Jesus says, "Get behind me, Satan. Peter was a good guy. Was he like out to get Jesus? No. Was he maliciously trying to pull him away from his calling? No. why? why was Jesus why was Peter trying to control Jesus? Because in that moment, he did not understand God's plan. He did not understand God's plan. And that's why you have to recognize when someone is trying to control you. Because they may be a really good person. They may love you. They may love Jesus. It may be unintentional. But you may find they're trying to isolate you. They're trying to pull you away from God's intended plan. And you have to know when it's happening. You have to know this is my lane. This is where I'm at. This is the season I'm in. This is what I'm called to do. I can't let someone distract me from it. The third thing is this. I'm going to wrap up here in a little bit. I just got a few other things for you. Number three, you need to know when it's time to draw a line in the sand. I know this is much harder to do than it is to say. But if you're being controlled or manipulated by someone to do what they want you to do, you need to know when it's time to draw a line in the sand. This is where most young people fail. And unfortunately, my fear is that we as the church have not done a great job of helping you know how to do this. Because loving someone does not mean allowing someone to stay in their dysfunction, especially when it means that it's damaging to you. Sometimes loving someone is helping someone get out of their dysfunction, and that means drawing a line in the sand sometimes. And Jesus drew a line in the sand for Peter. He said, "This is what I'm called to do." Peter said, "No." And Jesus turned and said to Peter, "Get behind me, Satan." Let me paint. Let me just paint kind of a weird scenario, scenario for you. What if What if Jesus was codependent, and what if he was? like in an unhealthy way, tied to Peter's, like his identity was tied to Peter and he was so concerned with what Peter had to say about him. What would have happened? Imagine this. This is what God wants me to do. Jesus says, this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna lay down my life. And Peter says, no, 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 this won't happen. You don't have to do this. Imagine with me that Jesus says, oh, okay, Peter, sorry, I didn't want to make you mad. Don't mean to, you know, don't get upset. I don't mean to be rude or anything. Right? What if Peter said, Jesus, if you do this, I will not be your friend anymore. I will not be your disciple. I will not follow you. If you do this, I'm going to spread bad rumors about you. If you do this, I'm going to unfollow you on Instagram. If you, if you do this, Peter, or if you do this, Jesus, you're going to pay. You're going to pay for this. I'm going to give you the silent treatment. What if Jesus responds with, no, 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 Peter, please, 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 sorry, I didn't want to, I didn't want to mess you up, sorry. I was, I was, sorry, I was going to go to the cross and save the whole world, but you're right, you're right, you're right. What do you want? What do you want, Peter? What do you want from me? No, Jesus wouldn't have done this. Why? Because Jesus knew, he knew, and he was out set for his calling. And he knew that the moment he gives control to someone else, that person is now directing him, not God. The moment he gives control to someone else, that person is directing him. And so that's why he was so aggressive with Peter. You cannot pull me away from what God has called me to. What if in your life there's someone that you love and that you care about, someone that even loves you and cares about you, But in their dysfunction, they are distracting you from accomplishing what God has called you to. And because you idolize what they think, you have lessened and walked away from what God thinks. Is it possible that maybe you have idolized what someone else thinks so much so that you have lessened and walked away from what God thinks? So what do we do? Let me just give you a few thoughts of what you can do if you find yourself in a relationship where someone is controlling. I want to give you the adult truth. Can I give you the adult truth tonight? Here's the adult truth. The relationships you have are a combination of what you have created and what you have allowed. That may be hard for some of you to swallow, but you need to know that's the truth. I don't, I, the reason why I say it's the adult truth, because I don't think it's always the truth, especially for children and, and even middle school and high schoolers. You have a relationship with your parents and there's not much you can do. You're completely dependent on them. But I believe you are now adults, so you are not completely codependent on someone. And so you need to know this the relationships that you have are a combination of what you have created and what you have allowed. Every relationship you have. Think about it, every single relationship. Your friendships, your dating relationships, your siblings, relationship with your boss, your coworkers, your parents. They're all They're all a combination of what you have either rightly and purposely created or what you have passively allowed. Either rightly and purposely you've created it or you've passively allowed it. Think about this. My marriage, if if I get to a point in my marriage where there's something about it that I don't like, there's something about maybe how we're talking to one another or maybe just the, the culture of our home, something about it, it's either because I created it, I was the problem, or because I allowed it to happen. Somewhere along the way, it began to manifest in my home. It began to manifest in our relationship. It began to pop up, and I didn't stop it. It's what I allowed to happen. It is the opposite of a victim mentality where I am whatever somebody has done to me or whatever someone has said to me. The relationships that I have are a combination of what I've either created or I have allowed. Now, please hear me. I'm not talking about... Physical abuse. I'm talking about controlling people. I'm talking about people in your life that are controlling and manipulating you. It's a combination of what you have created or you have allowed. Your friend that guilts you into being their friend because they won't have another one if you're not, they're controlling you. That boyfriend that you love and yet you continue to allow him to control and manipulate you, because you've either created it or you're allowing it. I know that's the harsh truth, but it's true. It's a combination of what you've created, what you've allowed. So the next thought is this. If you don't like what you have, change what you expect and what you accept. In your relationships, if you don't like what you have, whether it's with a sibling, parent, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, A friend, if you don't like what you have, change what you expect or change what you accept. you got to know when to draw a line in the sand. Jesus loved Peter. You got the answer right, Peter. You won Jesus' jeopardy. Well done. A moment later, no, no, no. That's not appropriate, Peter. You don't get to pull me away from what God's called me to. So for some of you, It means saying this, hey, I'm no longer going to let you talk to me like that. I'm drawing a line in the sand. If this relationship is what I've either created or what I've allowed, I've allowed you to speak to me in such a way that is hurtful and downright hateful, and I'm not going to allow it anymore. For some of you, you need to have that conversation. I'm a little iffy about saying some of these things. I'm not gonna let you burden my life because you don't know how to manage yours. Sorry, I just can't do it. I cannot let you burden my life because you don't know how to manage yours. I can't let you text me at midnight with all of your emotional junk and keep me up all night. Somewhere we've allowed that to be like you're a good friend. No, you're being used. I get it maybe every now and then or whatever, but that's a continual thing. You're being controlled by someone. Let me just say it. You guys know, um, I've heard this said before, get you a friend that will pick you up at the bar at 2 a.m. because you're too drunk to drive home. Get you that kind of friend. You want to know what I think about that? You're not a friend, you're an enabler. If someone texts me at two o'clock in the morning and says, can you come pick me up? I'm drunk at the bar and I don't want to drive home. I don't want to get pulled over. I don't want to get a ticket. You know what I'm saying back? Should have thought about that before you started drinking. Figure it out, find a way home. It's 2018, call a freaking Uber. (laughs) I'm not, I'm not, I cannot rescue you. I'm not going to let you burden me because you don't know how to manage your life and manage your decisions. You may think that sounds harsh. I'm telling you, that's called a relationship with boundaries, and you need them. If not, you're going to be controlled and manipulated by people. Next week, we're going to talk about something called loads and burdens. There's a difference between carrying someone's burden and carrying someone's load, and you need to know the difference. It's going to be a fun week. Let me, I know I'm way over time. Are we okay? Can I just talk for, let me get just one one more thing. Are we okay? I've used this, uh, it's a four-point conversation, like technique, and I've used it both personally and in leadership. If you ever find yourself in a leadership position where maybe you have people underneath you that report to you or or whatever, that kind of thing, you may find this helpful. So let me give it to you, and then I'll let you go, okay? Four-point conversation if you need to have a difficult conversation with somebody, and there may be people in this room that after I say this, you're like, oh, that's what he was doing. Yeah, that's what I was doing. Is this. I wrote them down. First thing you need to do is this. Sit down with someone across the table from them and communicate your love for them. Can we put that on the screen? There we go. Communicate your love. Let me get, um, I need someone to come up. Justin, you want to come up? So let me give, y'all give Justin a hand. What a guy. So... Um, i got to have a hard conversation with Justin, and this is how I'm going to do it. I'm going to sit down with Justin. I'm going to say, Justin, you know this, man. I am, uh, like, I love our friendship, and I want to be your friend. And honestly, like, the thought of you not being my friend, I hate it. I, like, I want us to be friends. But here's the deal, Justin. Uh, there's a problem. Put it up there, next thing. Communicate the problem. Here's the thing, Justin there's a problem. The problem is this. I repeatedly hear uh, that you are spreading rumors about me and rumors that are not true. And I don't know where they're coming from. And so uh, the thing is, that's a problem. Would you agree that's a problem? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, that's a problem, Justin. And here's what I need you to know. The next thing, communicate the change needed. So here's what I'm going to need from you, man. I'm going to need you, one, to go to every single person that you've talked to and spread this rumor. And I'm going to need you to tell them that you lied. I got you. You're going to need to tell them that you lied. And two, I'm going to need you to never do it again. I'm going to need you to stop doing this. Okay? And here's the thing, point number four, <laughs> communicate the consequences. And, man, I just got to be honest, if you can't do this, if you refuse to go to those people and tell them that you lied, or for some reason you keep doing this, you need to know, man, we just can't be friends. That's just what's that's how it's gonna be. We can't be friends. I hope, I hope you choose to change because I really wanna be your friend. I wanna be your friend too, man. Thanks, bro. <laughs> yes. Is that clear? Now, I know, I know your situation is complex and I just way simplified it. But keep them up there. Hey man, I love you. Or hey, sister, I love you. Like, I want to be your friend. I I want this to work. I, I, I love what we have together. But there's a problem. And here's how it needs to change. And if it doesn't, there's consequences. And the consequences, I just can't continue to do life with you. I can't do it. And hear me out. If you refuse to have this conversation, I know it's difficult. Is it hard? Absolutely. Is it painful? Absolutely. But if you refuse to have this conversation, you are not a victim of an unhealthy relationship. You are a volunteer because you are allowing a relationship to exist where you are not stepping in and saying, this has got to change. You're not a victim of someone controlling you. You've, in a sense, signed up for it. You have to be willing to have the conversation. Is it more complex than what I just did? Absolutely. Is it painful? Does it hurt? Absolutely. But you know what hurts more? I, I, say, I think about it like this. Past hurt is better than current hurt. I'd rather look back and go, gosh, that conversation with Justin was so hard. That was tough. That's way better than current hurt, walking through it now. And it will be painful, but I promise you it's more painful to stay in a relationship where you are being controlled. And it's not healthy for them either. And so I want to encourage you tonight, two people. One is if you feel like that's you, you feel like someone in your life, whether a boyfriend, girlfriend, friend, whatever, has some sort of control. And I don't know how it's manifested in your life. I hear tons of different stories. I don't know what it looks like in your life. But my hope tonight is that you would be encouraged to do something. Don't live that way. Don't be controlled or manipulated by people. That's not how God's designed you to live. Know your calling. Know your lane. Stay in it. And don't let people hover or leverage their authority over you to control you. That's extremely, extremely unhealthy. And I'm praying that God would set you free from that. I promise you your life will be better if you are. And then the second thing is this, and we haven't talked about it and we won't, but I just want to briefly mention, you could be that person. You could be that controlling person. And I'm going to ask that God convict you of that. Because you want to know something? When you try and control someone, you're trying to take the place of God. And you want to know something? You make a lousy God. Honestly. You're terrible at it. So don't control people. Let me pray for you. Lord, I understand that this is uh, way more complicated than I've made it out to be. And each situation that someone's walking through has its unique complexities and hardships. And the truth is there's past pain that comes with all of this. And there's uh, deep-seated emotional damage that's already been done. And so, Lord, I just ask that you, would, um, that you would just miraculously step into each situation. And for the person who's being controlled, Father, I ask that you would give them the courage, the courage to say something, the courage to bring someone else into the conversation so they're not isolated, and the courage to stand up and go, this is not what God has for me, and I can't allow this to happen. Father, we want to love people. We do. We know that's what you've asked us to do. Far more than asked, you've commanded us to love people. So, God, would you teach us how to love people while not taking uh, this kind of abuse from people? And, Lord, I pray for the person in here who maybe that's them and they're leveraging control or authority over someone. God, would you convict them of it? And would you show them a better way? Show them a better way, Lord. Lord. Make us more like you, Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.